All right, thanks, Matt. Man, love that song, Speak, O Lord. Renew our minds. Uh, we could sing that song over and over again. But, uh, man, what an encouragement it is. And, uh, man, that's our desire, is that as we open up the scriptures, as we open up God's word, that he would, um, he would speak to us. And I really believe that he does, and I believe that he has, and just been, been reminded as I've prepared for this message how God has spoken to me through his word, that there was actually a time in my life where I didn't really interact with the scriptures and, uh, like I do now. And the, the message, the preparation of this message has been good for my own heart because it's reminded me of this. The way I interact with the scriptures now, it, ha- it hasn't always been the case. In fact, there was a time where when I, I would go to this, little, this church with my parents in Winter Park, Florida, it was called St. John's Lutheran. And uh, I would go to this church, sit in the back a lot of Sundays, and I wouldn't walk into the church with a Bible, but rather I would walk into church with a sports page. And I would read the sports page as the sermon was being taught. And so, but uh, anyways, I just tell you that story. That's just my journey with God's word, that God's really given me love for his word. And it's a reminder for me, like, why do I get to teach the scriptures? I only teach the scriptures because God's done a real work in my life. And he's given me love for something I didn't really love before. And um, so I, I want to teach from, from that posture, from that recognition, from uh, just to give God glory for what he's done in my own journey as a disciple. And so speaking about discipleship, that's where we are in this series, uh, Discipleship, that Doug has started a few months ago. We've looked at what does it look like to become a Christ follower, and now we're looking at how do we uh, mature as a Christ follower. And so we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel in our conversations with God, a conversation where God speaks to us through his word, and then we speak back. And so we'll see that a conversation begins, he speaks, and that conversation continues as we, as we speak to him. And so uh, conversation, both listening and speaking. When I think about listening, someone in a conversation, listening and speaking, I think about my own kids. My wife, Allison, is right here. We have three kids uh, with a fourth on the way, actually. So we're excited. We're gonna have... Uh, a baby girl in March, and so we've been, it's been fun just to talk with our kids and to ask them, hey, what do you think baby girl number four's name should be? And so we were talking with our son, Asher, the other day, he's three, and I said, hey, Asher, uh, after we found out that it was gonna be a girl, we said, Asher, what do you think baby girl number four, like, what do you think her name should be? And Asher said, no, it's gonna be a boy, and his name should be Asher. And we're like, Asher, were you not, were you not listening? It's gonna be a girl. And so this went on for a few days, but eventually, he does think it's gonna be a girl uh, now. So he's learning how to, I tell you that story because he's, he's learning how to listen and he's learning how to talk. And so that's, I think that's true of a lot of us as, as we are children and how we relate to our, to our father. So uh, turn to 1 Samuel 3 if you haven't already. And we're gonna begin there with a conversation with God. Um, and, and before we get into this chapter, I think it's just helpful to understand the setting of this story. Uh, this is in the Old Testament. God is going to speak to a man named Samuel, and this story is, is, I think, an illustration of how God speaks. And so the setting of the story, we're going to meet a woman named Hannah. Hannah's going to have a son named Samuel. Samuel's going to be raised actually outside of the home, inside the temple house of the Lord, which seems to be great, but it's actually not going to be great because he's going to be raised by a guy named Eli, who is the high priest, and Eli isn't sharp as he once was spiritually. And then he has two sons that we're going to meet. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about towards the end of this message, Hophni and Phineas. and Hophni and Phineas are not walking with the Lord. They don't even know the Lord, so he grows up, uh, Samuel here, in a pretty dark situation. In the house of the Lord, in the temple of the Lord, um, but not in an environment where he's being led spiritually well at all. It's, it's, it's not a great environment, but yet it's in this dark time that God's going to speak to this young boy named Samuel. We're not quite sure how old he is, but he's a young boy, and so God's going to come and speak to him, and this is what the Lord says uh, to him. Let me just pause before we read this passage. Father, we do believe that you speak, and so we're inviting you to come and, and speak, O oh Lord, because we want to hear from you. We want to have a conversation with you where you speak, uh, and then we want to talk with you, Lord. So would you meet us here would you take this old, old, Old Testament story and would you bring it home to our own hearts? Lord, would you clear our minds from any distractions? Lord, we want to really, we want to hear from you. Lord, would you show us what it means, as we sang earlier, to have a heart for you? Lord, we wanna, what we sang about, we want to repeat. Lord, would you give, me, give us a heart to know your word? Speak, O oh Lord, and renew our minds. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli. So Eli is the high priest. 
And the word from the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were infrequent. So God hadn't spoken in a while. Spoken through Abraham, Moses, Joshua. But since Joshua, God hasn't spoken. And so he's gonna speak here to Samuel. It happened at that time. What happened? The Lord's gonna speak to Samuel. It's gonna be the middle of the night. At that time, as Eli was lying down in his place, now his eyesight had begun to grow dim and he could not see well. Verse three, and the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the, uh, the, temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. So he's laying down, he's about to go to sleep. And then this is what the Lord does in verse four. That the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am, which by the way, those three words are great. God speaks to you and you say, here I am. That's a great response. But he doesn't know that it's the Lord actually. Verse five. Then he ran to Eli and he said, here I am for you called me. He's like, yes, sir. <laughs> he hears someone calling his name. He thinks it's this guy, Eli, the high priest. And then Eli says this, but he said, Eli, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and he lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And so Samuel arose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am for you called me. But he answered, I did not call you, my son, lie down again. Now picture this story. Samuel's confident that he hears someone speaking to him. He thinks it's Eli, and Eli's like, I didn't call your name. Go back down and lay, and lay back down. Samuel probably was confused. He's like, I know someone's calling my name. And then the, 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 the story goes on, and we see in verse 7 that Samuel doesn't know it's the Lord speaking to him because of this verse right here. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. So why did he not know that it was the Lord? Well, he had, never had, he had never had a conversation with the Lord. God had never spoken to him. Do you remember, think back in your own journey, where God's word was first revealed to you? See, God speaks through his word. He's trying to speak to Samuel uh, through his spoken word, and uh, Samuel doesn't know that it's the Lord. And I just remember times in my own life where God has spoken to me through his word. One of the first times was I had uh, opened up the Bible to Genesis and I was reading through the Bible to prepare to teach a message for our middle schoolers. I was an intern here several years ago. I'm reading through the scriptures. And what's on my mind as I'm reading the Bible is my parents are about to get divorced. Um, Alice and I were dating at the time, didn't quite sure, are we gonna get married? Like, what does paying for college look like? I was going into my last year at CIU, the Bible college. There's so much on my mind, and I'm reading the scriptures, and the Lord stops me in Genesis, verse, uh, Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, where it says, nothing is too hard for the Lord. And that was speaking about Abraham in that context. But in that moment, the Lord was like saying to me, Jonathan, John, nothing is too hard for me. And that was a, that's a, like a big moment in my life where it's like the Lord spoke to me through his word. The Lord revealed himself uh, to me through his word. I mean, I, I was a, a newer believer learning how to, to read God's word and listen to him. And that was a moment where it built a lot of confidence that God speaks and he speaks through his word. So as you, as you see this verse here in verse seven, can you think back to moments in your own life where, man, the Lord spoke to you through his word? Because he wants to speak here to Samuel. I think it's good just to, Remember those moments. By the way, I also think in verse seven, it's, it's interesting here that Samuel knew about the Lord, but Samuel didn't know the Lord. And it's possible that a person can gather here today, maybe you're here and you know things about the Lord, but you don't know the Lord. And the Lord wants to reveal himself to you through his word. So the story goes on, verse eight. So the Lord called Samuel again for the third time, and he arose and he went to Eli and he said, here I am for you, call me, then Eli discerned that the Lord was calling the boy. So finally, Eli, he's not as sharp as he once was spiritually. Eli, who probably once was very attuned to the Lord's voice, an older man probably now says, you know what, maybe it's the Lord speaking to you. So if the Lord speaks again, here's what you should say, verse nine. And Eli said to Samuel, go lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. We don't know if he went to sleep or not, or if he just waited up for the Lord to speak again. The Lord does speak again to Samuel. And when the Lord speaks again to Samuel, here's what Samuel says. And these are good words for us to pray. I wanna sit, these are great words in verse 10. Look what he says. Then the Lord came and stood and called his other times, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. So we just sang about that, but what a great words to speak to the Lord. And so Samuel says, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So, all right. So why are we here this morning? We want, we want to mature in our own conversations with the Lord. Where does a conversation with the Lord begin? I think it begins here. A conversation with God begins with the conviction that God speaks. 
And I know this is such an obvious point, I almost didn't even include it. Because <laughs> it's like, for most of us in this room, it's like, duh, of course he does. But it's good to sit on this, that God speaks through his word, that his word is powerful. Uh, someone texted me this past week, uh, Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is powerful. God speaks through his word. He speaks aloud through his spoken word to Samuel, and we believe that today God still speaks. Can God speak audibly to us like he did to Samuel? Yes, he, he could, but the primary way he speaks is through his word. I remember one professor told me in school that when the, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. And the Bible is a book like no other book. It's, it's powerful. And the most famous verse in the Bible about the Bible would probably be this, that all scripture, not some of the, not some of the scriptures, not just the New Testament, not just the verses that we like, no, all scripture, it's breathed out or it's inspired by God. Not inspiring that, it just makes me feel better about myself. No, it's inspired, like where, where does it come from? It comes from God. What does Second Peter say? That no prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So I read God's word, this is, this is God's word through man's mouth. This is a book like no other book. It's powerful. Second Timothy here, it's, it's telling us that it's, it's, it's for my training, it's, it corrects me. Which, by the way, I'll, I'll tell a few stories of God's own word in my life, how it's brought conviction into my life. Another verse here in addition to 2 Timothy 3.16, Hebrews 4.12, the Bible, a book like no other book, it's powerful. It's powerful because it's not just giving me information, but it's giving me, God wants to speak into my heart so that there is transformation. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints of marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. What other book out there is like that? The Bible is a book like no other book. It's living and active. It's powerful. And I don't come to the scriptures to examine if the scriptures are true or this is good and this is not and this is relevant or this is no. No, it's not me examining the scriptures. It's the scripture examining me and revealing what's wrong in my own heart. Again and again, the scriptures are renewing my mind. And so God spoke to Samuel and he still speaks today and he speaks through his word. So conversation with God begins with this conviction. He speaks. He has spoken and he still wants to speak through his word. It's just been encouraging to watch as I get the privilege to teach to high school students. Here at CFC and one student came to me on a Wednesday night in tears, just, man, I wanna love God's word. I think that's the result of God speaking to that student. Of when I taught the Bible in North Carolina, of seeing people who weren't interested in the scriptures, were bored by the scriptures, and yet the Bible would be taught, and it's just me reading the scriptures. Like one Monday morning, I would ask my students, hey, what's the highlight from your weekend? And this one girl named Damaris said, my highlight was on Saturday. I said, well, what was it on Saturday? She said, I just read the Bible. And I watched that student go from being bored by the Bible, from being really being interested in the Bible. Well, how does that happen? God speaks through his word. And by speaking to his word, he changes people's hearts, and he gives them a love for that which they didn't love before. I mean, isn't that exciting? Yeah, to, to see someone who's so, ah, it's just, it's just like a book. No, this is a living book. It's powerful. And he gives us a love for something we didn't love before. He changes us. He renews our mind. He comforts us. And so God speaks. I think the primary way he speaks here with Samuel is to reveal what's on his heart. The scriptures reveal the heart of God. What's on the heart of God as it relates to Samuel here in first chapter three? I think it's the sin of Eli and his sons. They weren't listening to the word of God. They, they were priests. Do, do we like to pause there for a second? They're in a religious position supposed to be reflecting the heart of God for the glory of God. And God wants to make them into a great nation that he can bless all people through them. But Eli and his sons aren't listening to the word of God. And so God says this word of warning to Samuel, this reveals what's on the heart of God. The Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Which, well, that's great. No, it's, it's not a good thing, it's a bad thing. And the word of warning that God's gonna speak to Samuel that reveals what's on his heart is this. It says in, in um, I don't have it on the screen, but it's right in uh, verse 12. In that day, I'll carry out against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I've told them I'm about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. 
So Eli knew something about his son, something that was going on, and he didn't do anything about it. And so the Lord's speaking to reveal what's on his heart towards Samuel about Eli and his sons. And here's what we know about the sons. They were worthless men, they did not know the Lord, and here's what they were doing. They were supposed to be priests, but here's what they were doing around the temple at a total mockery to the Lord. Look at verse 22. Eli was very old and he heard all that his sons were doing to all Israel, how they lay with the woman who served at the door of the tent of meeting. So we see here in chapter two of 1 Samuel, they were stealing earlier and then they're involved in sexual sin. Eli knew about this. He told him, man, stop it guys. But Eli cared more about honoring his sons than he did honoring the Lord. So the Lord reveals this word to Samuel, I think is a judgment about them but the Lord is also saying to Samuel, man, don't do as they did. Like, don't be like a priest who would honor me with his lips while his heart was far from me. Like, don't be like the sons who are basically using their position uh, in, in leadership to serve themselves instead of serving the Lord. So the Lord wants to reveal what's on his heart to Samuel so that eventually he can go and speak to guys like Saul and David. He can reveal what's on the heart of God. So I think the Lord is trying to say to Samuel simply this, Samuel, as a young boy, However old he is, we're not quite sure how old he is. The Lord's saying to Samuel, Samuel, I want you to have a high regard for my word. That when I speak, I want you to listen. I want you to take my word serious. So God speaks later in chapter two to a man, a man of God to Eli, but I'll raise it for myself, a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart. So God speaks to reveal what's on his heart. God speaks to reveal what is on his heart. And I think we see as we look at all the scriptures, what's on the heart of God? Well, I think from Genesis to Revelation, we could say it's this, it's God's glory. One unifying story of God receiving glory by drawing people into a right relationship with him. I tell our high school students that the Bible is not a list of do's and don'ts. Like if that's the case, that this is just a, a book of do's and don'ts, then I think this word is, it would be boring and, 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 and there's not much motivation to read it. But if you were to say, hey, this, this will change your marriage, this will change your parenting, this will change your perspective on life, Th then that makes a difference. This, is by, this book is a book like no other book. And God wants to reveal his, uh, what's on his heart. What's on his heart? Drawing people into a relationship with us. I think by drawing us into a relationship with us, God doesn't wanna just make us better versions of ourselves, but God wants to make us more like Christ. He wants to, as Romans eight twenty nine says this, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to, be, to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. God wants to change us. He wants to conform us. And so since God speaks to reveal what's on his heart, I wanna make a commitment to listen so that my heart would be conformed to his. God's speaking. Well, when he speaks, what is he doing? He's revealing his heart. Well, then I wanna make a commitment to listen so that my heart would be conformed to his, would be reflective of his. So I read the gospels, for example. Let's say, let's say you're making a commitment to listen to God speak by reading his word. And you're reading the gospels like in Mark 6 where it says that Jesus had compassion for people. Then you wanna say, Lord, I recognize that instead of having compassion towards people, I'm rather critical of people. I wanna have compassion like you do. I think that's, the, that's reflective of the heart of God. Or maybe you're not reading through the gospels, but you're reading through the Psalms. And by you're reading the Psalms, you ask, you see, I wanna, I wanna listen to your word, uh, Lord, so that you can search me and see what's in my heart to reveal what's, any, what's wrong with me. Look what Psalm 139 says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Then we see Romans 12, 2. Why, why should we make a commitment to listen? I want my heart to be conformed to his. I want my mind to be renewed. And by my mind is being renewed, I think my heart can be reflective of his. I just wanna real quickly share stories of hearing God uh, speak through his word. I'm really grateful, as I said at the beginning, there was a time where I didn't really love this book. Um, but God really has used people in my life to give me a love for that which I didn't love before. And one of those was this guy, uh, a guy that the Lord put in my life was a guy named uh, Jay Seabrook. My dad really liked this guy a lot. My dad thought that it would be good for me to, to, to learn from this guy. He lived right across the street. He was a pastor and he loved the gospel of Luke. And so he invited me in to basically read the gospel of Luke with him on Tuesdays. I would go to class, college class, and then for lunch we would eat and then we would open up the gospel of Luke. 
And I remember one time as he was reading the Gospel of Luke to me, he asked me a question about Abraham. I had no idea who Abraham was. I felt dumb. He, he patiently <laughs> explained to me who Abraham was and he asked me questions and we would have good conversations back and forth. And I can remember on one occasion, he asked me a question, I don't remember what it was, but by my answer, he, he was an older gentleman, maybe in his late 60s, he'd get this big smile on his face. And as I reflect back on that moment at that table, I can really think that the, he, the, he was seeing the Lord do a work in my heart of giving me a love for the word. I had never really read Acts before, so we read Luke and Acts, and Acts chapter one, verse one says, it starts like, all that Jesus began to do and teach. I remember I made a connection and I said to, to Jay Seabrook, I said, wait, so Jesus started something and he wants to still work today? He's like, yes. And it was at that moment, man, just reading the gospels that the Lord gave me a love for his word. The Lord's beginning to speak to me through his word. Really grateful for that guy. Um, there's been other people the Lord has used and there's been other ways in which God has spoken to me through his word. Uh, good times, hard times. Uh, the Lord has brought in conviction to my own life. One, one time, uh, Alice and I were in Croatia, 2017. We went, uh, we, were, we were brave enough to take a, a one-year-old all the way to Croatia. Lydia was just one years old and we went there for seven weeks and um, the second day that we were there, we were primarily there to teach the Bible to college students and the guy that was leading um, the, the, the school that we were at, a guy named Steve Meeker, he said to me, hey, Jonathan and Allison, could you go over and help my wife um, organize the pantry? We need to move some cans around. And I didn't think anything of it. This just kind of reveals pride in my own heart. I said to Steve Meeker, I said, hey, um, uh, I'm not really here to uh, organize cans in the pantry. I said to him, this is what I said, I'm not making this up. My wife can attest to this. <laughs> I, I said to this guy, I'm not here to organize cans. I came here to teach the Bible. And thought nothing of it. Thought, man, my tone wasn't wrong. I wasn't angry or whatever. But uh, I, over the course of several days, just made this guy's job harder and not easier. And I just thought, man, I'm, why am I here? I'm, I raised my support. I came from North Carolina. I'm here to teach the Bible. And so one night, by God's grace, he woke me up. The Lord woke me up in the middle of the night. And I couldn't get back to sleep. And one of the verses that the Lord brought to mind was this verse. A verse that I had memorized and quoted to other people, but wasn't applying it to my own heart. Philippians 2, where Paul says this, talking about his relationship with Timmy, Timothy, a guy that he was mentoring. But you know of, know of his proven worth that he served, keywords here, he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. And I was actually, the Lord kind of revealed in this moment that I wasn't serving with this guy, but against this guy and around this guy and making his job harder, not easier. And so the Lord really did a work in my heart. And I tell you that story for this reason, that the Lord still speaks today through his word. And in by speaking, he reveals something ugly in my heart. And I tell you that story because I think it, it does. Stories like that, I think, reveal that one of the primary purposes of the word is to bring conviction to my life. Not the only, but one of the things that the Lord's done in my own life. So obviously the, the, the next morning when I woke up, I needed to go and have a conversation about the guy and confess my own, my own pride. So God speaks through his word, I wanna make a commitment to listen so that my heart would be conformed to his. I wanna to go to the place in which he has spoken. And so can you think of moments in your own life where God has spoken to you through his word? Maybe there's a verse that comes to mind, a person. If, if that's the case, then why not tell your spouse or your kids or your a friend? Like, I think it's good to remember and retell people to encourage one another. Man, I know God has spoken to me through his word. Here's what he said, here's what he did. I think it's good for us to, to think back. It's been an encouragement um, to me. Well, I think if we're gonna make a commitment to listen, I think it's good to have uh, some practical tools. So here's something, practical tools for listening to his word. If I'm gonna make a commitment to listen, I think it could be good for you to have a plan. And when I say plan, I mean a, a reading plan. For example, last year, Doug gave out the 90 days. You could read the whole New Testament in 90 days. I know we're you know, there's less 90 days in the year, but you could still use something like that. There's 30-day plans out there through the Gospels. There's 60-day plans out there. Having a reading plan would be good. For example, like if we pass the mic around right now, we're not gonna do this, but if we pass the mic around and I said, hey, do you know what you're gonna read tomorrow morning? What would you say? Like, I think it's good to go to bed at night and go, I know when I open up the scriptures, this is what I'm gonna read. I have a, have a plan in mind. Maybe you're someone in here that you don't read the scriptures on a regular basis. Maybe your next step in making a commitment to listen is to find out on Thursday, when we send out the discipleship guide, what is Doug gonna teach on Sunday? 
And then you could read on Thursday or Friday or Saturday or Sunday the passage that he teaches before he teaches it. I think that maybe could be your first step. Or maybe you're reading the scriptures once a week and maybe you could go to read it a couple times a week. And maybe your next step is like, if you turn over on the back of the, on the handout, the message memo, on the back of the message memo, there's additional passages that you could read. I put those passages in there. Doug does the same thing every week. I know when you look at them, there's like one passage, it's like three verses. And then there's the other one, it's like Psalm 119. I know that's like a huge chapter. It has 176 verses, but you could read that slowly throughout this week. But my point is this, if I'm gonna make a commitment to listen to God speak, I think it's good to have a, it's good to have a reading plan. But in saying that, I recognize that maybe a plan isn't really a, what's a help to you. And maybe this would be of bigger help. Not having a plan, but having a person, having someone to read the scriptures um, with. Here's what a friend of mine said to me. Here, listen to what they said. They said, honestly, Bible reading plans have never been a big help to me personally. That when it comes to staying consistent in the word, the biggest help for me has not been a plan, but rather a person who will read with me. There have been multiple seasons in my life where I and another commit to read and send one another what we were thankful for, reminded of or learned in the scriptures for that day. There have been, uh, these have been the times I say consistency and a joy for the word have been at its highest in my life. And so think about, man, maybe it's a, it's a person. Who could you read the scriptures with? So plan, getting to read the scriptures with people. And then here's maybe uh, another thing here would be perspective. I know that maybe not be practical, but if we're gonna make a commitment to hear God speak through his word, I think it's good as we open up later today or tomorrow morning to have this perspective. And the perspective of the, is this, that every time we open up God's word, like you may not get a profound word like I did in, from Philippians 2, or like I shared earlier from Genesis 18, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Like I often, I think one of the things that I wrestle with is because there's been those moments where I know God has spoken in this season of my life, I've been asking the Lord, Lord, give me a profound word. Like, I need a word, like, give me something. And you know what the Lord is doing in this season of life? Yeah, I'm not getting like some profound word, but I was driving home the other day, and here's what the Lord, I think, reminded me of. That when I open up the scriptures, here's the perspective to have. I may not get a profound word, but you know what is happening every time I open up the scriptures? He is renewing my mind. He's changing my mind. He's nurturing me, he's uh, or nourishing me, he's comforting me, he's encouraging me, he's reminding me of truth. Like that's what's happening every time I open up the scriptures. And so though when the profound doesn't happen, I know the Lord, you're still doing something through your word. You're reminding me, you're convicting me of sin. And I think that's a, a good perspective to have. Because sometimes we come to the Bible and we wait and we expect this warm, fuzzy feeling to happen or something like big so that when we talk to people later, hey, what did you learn from God's word? That we have something like good to share. But sometimes what we could just simply share is the Lord didn't really teach me something new. He just reminded me of something I must never forget. Well, what was that? Well, same thing that Doug taught last week, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I read today, I was all reminded, um, the old things have been passed away, the new things have come. I'm a new person in Christ. And then the person says to you, but you already know that. And you say, yes, I already know that. But I needed to be reminded of it because I need to be reminded that my identity is rooted in Christ, not in my performance, not in what other people think about me. So God speaks through his word and I think it's a good perspective to have. Um, one thing, just throw this out real quick. This, a staff member challenged me with this. Would, as you make a commitment to listen, would you consider, would a paper Bible be easier for you as opposed to reading the scriptures on your phone? Maybe for some of you on your phone, that helps you. But uh, one person told me that when they turn to their phone, it's like that's where they just disengage. But would it be helpful? I don't know. I can't answer for you. We're all different in this room. But would it be helpful if you actually made a commitment to God listen, to listen to God's word by reading a paper Bible? It could be of help. So that's another P we could add. If we could add another P, uh, this came from someone Thursday night. This guy said to me, prepare. I said, what do you mean? He said, I realized that he was listening to the message on Thursday night. He said, I go to bed too late. And by going to bed too late, I wake up tired. I'm too tired to hear God speak through his word or to speak back to him. So what I learned is what someone said to me Thursday night, I'm gonna prepare better. How are they gonna prepare better? By going to bed on time, getting a good night's rest, which we all should have done because we got like an extra hour of sleep, right? So, but um, anyway, so prepare, we need to, um, and obviously we need to, to pray as we read God's word. And that's what I wanna focus this last part of the message on. So. Uh, conversation with God continues when I speak with the conviction that God listens. So Samuel knew 
God wants to say to me, say something to me, but he also realized that he's not just throwing up empty words, that God's going to speak back or, or God's listening. So conversation with God continues when I speak with the conviction that God is listening. So like I read Psalm, I read Psalm 116 yesterday, which by the way, if anybody, if you've heard me teach, I always am gonna go to the Psalms. Psalm 116 says this. I'm trying to memorize these two verses. I love the Lord because he had, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me. This is what the psalmist says. Because God hears me, this is what I'll do. Therefore, I shall call upon him as long as I shall live. So God is listening to me. And Samuel knew that. Uh, then the Lord came and stood and called us other times. Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. Speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. And I think every time we open up the Bible, one of the ways we listen is by is speaking to God and praying and saying, Lord, would you, would you speak? Lord, we, would you reveal truth to me? Uh, Lord, would you remind me of something I um, maybe have forgotten? And then we do our Bible reading for the day. Speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. Maybe 15 minutes, 30 minutes go by. We close the Bible. And then you step into the next part of your day. I think this is a prayer that we pray throughout the day. Speak, O Lord, as we drive to work. As you go into meetings, speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. As you come to the end of the day and you, like when I drive into my driveway and I walk into the, the, the door around five o'clock, I don't know what I'm gonna be walking into and our house may be crazy. I say, speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. At bedtime, speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. So I think Samuel gives us a prayer to, way, to pray, a way to speak to the Lord. And I speak to the Lord by saying, speak. Like, I, I believe that you speak. I believe that you hear me. And I say that even when the scriptures are open, God can still speak. So it's something I've been reminding myself of. I speak to the Lord with the conviction that he is listening. And that even when my Bible reading is over, his work isn't finished. That even when my Bible is closed, he can still by his spirit bring truth to mine. And I know that because of what Jesus says in John 14, that Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would come and he would remind me of truth. Now, obviously he can't, the spirit can't bring truth to mine that I haven't read. But as I'm in the scriptures and I'm learning the scriptures, I really trust that the spirit can bring truth to mind. And the Lord has done that in my own life to often bring conviction. So like one example real quick is that I remember one time our family was at the beach and um, I was being critical of Allison and my attitude was wrong. And, and as we were leaving, it was just one of those days where I was like, why did we come to the beach? Like our kids, it was just, we were all over the place. It was not a great day. And yet God and his grace really showed up in that we're packing the kids up, walking off the sand into the parking lot and the Lord brought a verse to mind. And here's the, Lord, here's the verse that the Lord brought to mind. Uh, a woman, Proverbs 31, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And then after that, this thought came to mind as I logically thought through Proverbs 31, Allison fears the Lord, praise her, use your words to build her up. And so at the beach, I wasn't, I wasn't holding a Bible. Like I, I wasn't reading Proverbs 31 as we were walking out. But I, and I didn't read Proverbs 31 that day, nor the day before, but I had in the past and I knew that and God by his spirit brought that truth to mind. That's why I say, speak, O Lord, your servant is listening because I want him to bring truth to my mind. Truth to mind that will change my mind, that will conform me to the image of his son. And I'm, I'm grateful for that, that God's word is making me a better husband. And so I wanna, I wanna praise Allison. So like one of the ways I'm learning to praise Allison is as I watch her and the way that she cares for Chloe, caring for Chloe has never been a burden, but always a joy for you, right? She, she's encouraging. Like uh, I ask her so many questions that I prepare to teach. And what I say in a paragraph, she can say in a sentence. Like she's just good at coming alongside and encouraging me. So God still brings truth to mind. So we learn from Samuel. How do I speak to the Lord? I speak to the Lord by saying, speak, O Lord, your servant is listening. I also wonder, did, did Samuel learn how to speak to the Lord from the example of his mom? And I think parents, we have a big, big example here and, and, and the way we set the tone and the way we model praying. Like if you heard your kids pray, if you, if, what would your kids learn from you if they heard you pray to the Lord? But what would they learn? And I think we learned something from Samuel's mom. If back in chapter one, Samuel's mom's going through a very difficult time. She wants to have kids, she can't have kids. 
There's someone uh, in her life who's basically making her job harder, rubbing it in. Like there's someone who could have kids. Hey, Hannah, I'm having another kid. Oh, are you gonna have another kid, Hannah? Oh, that's right, you can't have kids. It was just a very hard situation. Hannah um, turns to the Lord, into the temple, and she's praying to the Lord. And Eli was watching her mouth. And here's what uh, Eli uh, thinks. As for Hannah, she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. So we learned, how, how do I speak to the Lord? Well, I think Hannah's given us an example here. She's, she's speaking to the Lord, but Eli thinks she's drunk. Verse 14, then Eli said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. In other words, Eli's saying, hey, don't come, don't come around the house of the Lord getting drunk. And she's like, drunk? Because she's, tears are coming down her face. Her lips are moving, but words aren't coming out of her mouth. She's, she's talking to the Lord. Here's how Hannah responds to, um, or here's how, yeah, here's how Hannah responds to Eli. Verse 15. But Hannah replied, no, my Lord, I'm a woman neither oppressed in spirit. I have, I have drunk neither swine nor strong drink, but I have, and I love this phrase, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. So we learn from Hannah, what does it look like to speak to the Lord? I think we speak to the Lord by pouring our hearts out. Whatever we're anxious about, whatever we're struggling with, that turns into, I'm gonna talk to the Lord about this. I don't wanna be silent to the Lord, but I wanna speak to him. I think we learned from Hannah, this right here, you can write this down. I speak to God, I know he's listening, but I speak to God because God wants to hear my dependence in the heart. She wanted to have children, she couldn't have children. People in her life are making her job hard. Her husband, we see in the passage, wasn't much help either, and she simply goes, I don't know what else to do, but I'm gonna pour my heart out to the Lord. I think the example in my own life is to go, whatever I'm struggling with, whatever I'm anxious about, I wanna to speak to the Lord about it. Psalm 62, one of the ways Psalm 62 guides us to trust in the Lord, Psalm 62 says, trust in him at all times. Pour your hearts out before him. Hannah's praying continues. We see that in chapter two, she says, then Hannah prayed and my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. Verse two, there is no one holy like the Lord. So just, so you see what she's doing? Her prayer is answered. Hannah does have a son, but Hannah's speaking to the Lord doesn't stop. It continues. And Hannah's prayer basically continues in chapter two by praising uh, God for the, his very character. He, she says, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. So I speak to God because God wants to hear my dependence in the heart, but also my, my praise no matter what. My praise no matter what. And she does have a son, but she gives that son away to be raised by Eli. And I think for us, as it relates to praise, we wanna praise the Lord no matter what. This is the way we speak to the Lord. We praise him for his, for his character revealed all through the scriptures. What do we see in the character of God? He's merciful, he's gracious, he's faithful. We praise him for what he did the day before. There's so much to praise him for as we listen to him in the scriptures. And I, I'm so grateful for being on this staff because one of the benefits of being on this staff and under Doug's leadership is that three times a week, we as a staff team, we gather over in the D building and we pray about three times a week. And one of the ways that we begin that prayer time is with praise. And so Doug will simply say to this, say, all right, let's begin with praise. And over the last several years, it's been good for my heart to start the day by praising God as a team. It's been a huge blessing. But then one night on a date with Allison, several months ago, I realized that something I loved so much, I loved it on the staff team and how I was being led by Doug, but I wasn't leading Allison that way. And so I realized if I value praise so much with the team, I need to bring that into my marriage. And so finally, I just said to Allison, hey, Allison, I wanna lead you in prayer. We weren't really praying together. And I said to Allison, let's just do this. Here's, here's what Doug says. Doug says, let's begin with praise. It's not that very hard. And we just think back to who the Lord is. What did we see him do the day before? And that, this is something that we've incorporated into our marriage. And I can just tell you all, just speaking from experience, it's made a big difference in our marriage that we typically, what it looks like in our family, it's about 6.45, it's early. Um, our oldest is still asleep, but two of our little kids are running around, and it's crazy. 
But we're in our back, um, back part of our house. We're looking out over the backyard. And sometimes our praise will simply be with our eyes open and we praise the Lord for what we see right in front of us, our daughter Chloe. And we just praise the Lord for a communication device, for a chair, for a bed, for what the Lord did before. And we just go on and on. And here's the value of praise in my own life is that praise basically has taken my focus away from my circumstances or my feelings to the facts and the truths about the very character of God. Well, what do I see about the character of God? Well, he's unchanging. That family dynamics will change, but the character of God never changes. He remains the same. So praise has been like huge. And I hope you hear that, that I don't wanna just be some pastor on a stage telling you to do something. I'm just, I'm just saying, if married, married couples in here, parents, if, if you're not doing this, I think there's something you're missing. It's a way to lead well. Um, I'm, I'm trying to teach my, our kids to do that. When I put Asher to bed at night, I simply try to say, Asher, what are you thankful for? And he'll say crazy stuff that doesn't really answer my question, but sometimes it's helpful. And uh, anyways, but so I wanna, I wanna lead them well in, in, in praise. So lastly, I think um, I speak to God because he wants to hear my humble confession. And we see the instruction to confess sin all throughout the scriptures. But what's interesting in 1 Samuel's chapter one, two, and three is that we, we, we learn how to speak to the Lord from Samuel. We learn how to speak to the Lord from Hannah. But when we look at Eli and his sons, they, what, what should have happened in their life doesn't happen. And what should have happened was confession of sin. So it, it's actually what's not in the passage, but what should be in the passage. Nowhere do we see Eli and his, sin, his sons confess their sin. But as we look in our own hearts, this is one of the ways in which I think we speak to the Lord. We speak to the Lord by confessing sin. So maybe in this room, as we apply this to our own lives, maybe you're not like Hannah and you're not like Samuel, but you're actually, maybe, what the Lord wants to say to you today, perhaps, is you're actually more like Eli. And what was true of Eli? Well, he was a guy who was honoring his sons, but wasn't really honoring the Lord. And in a sentence, basically, here's what was true of Eli. Eli knew truth heard truth, but his life wasn't reflective of it. And maybe that could be the, the case with you. you. You hear, you sit through a sermon on a conversation with God about listening to God and his read your Bible and pray. That's basically been the message this morning, read your Bible and pray. And you may be sitting there and you may go, I know, I know, I already know this. But the question I think for you to wrestle through as you leave this afternoon or this morning, this afternoon is, but is your life reflecting that? Is your marriage different? Is your parenting different? Is your relationship with your siblings different? Is your relationship with your boss different as a result of being in God's word? I think Eli's life should cause us to go, maybe we are like Eli and we, I know, I know, I know truth, but my life isn't reflective of it. And if that's the case, you can simply, in this moment or in a moment, confess to the Lord for not listening to him like you once did or not speaking to him like you once did. Maybe you're distracted by a particular circumstance, but... Let's, I think, see the life of Eli and go, man, I wanna to confess to the Lord because my confession realigns my heart with God's heart. Maybe you're not like Eli, but you're like his sons. What was true of the sons? Well, we saw in chapter two that Eli's sons did not know the Lord. Eli, difference, Eli knew the voice of the Lord, but the sons didn't. And what was true of the sons? The sons, as priests, were involved in religious activity day after day, but they had no relationship with the Lord. And uh, maybe, could that be true of you, that you attend church, you may even give or you serve, but you're someone who's going through the motions and there's never been a confession of sin and a trust and a dependence upon Christ alone for your salvation. You've never trusted in the Lord. I would say if that's you, man, use God, let, God let, let, let it see that maybe God is speaking to you through his word. Confess your sin for the first time, recognizing that God is holy, your sin is separated from you and you need to put your trust in the perfect savior who came and lived and died in your place. Ephesians 2, 8, 8 and 9 is a verse that our, our pastor here, Doug, read just several weeks ago. That salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. It's not by works. It's never been, it never has been by works. So maybe use the examples of the sons to say, man, maybe the, your first step this morning is to speak to the Lord by confessing your sin for the first time. But I think no matter who we are, I think confession of sin is good for, for all of us. And though confession of sin is not in this passage, it's in other places. Psalm 51, Psalm 32, 1 John 1, 9. 
So I think confession is good for all of us because we can confess as we look at the cross that I can confess and be forgiven. And as I think about what Christ did for me, Christ, the, the work of what he did for me on the cross, I think leads me to confession. And sometimes it's been easy for me to know that Jesus died, but to forget what his death did, that his death paid my penalty, his death forgave me of my sin, his death set me free, his death made me new, gave me new life in Christ, as we learned last week, that his death brought me into a right relationship with him, with by his spirit, I can hear him speak, and then I can speak back to him. That I'm, I'm in a relationship with him. That's some of the benefits of the, Christ, of the work of Christ on my place. Um, so let's remember what his, what his death did by taking the Lord's Supper. And so I wanna invite them in to come forward. If you would just uh, pause for a second before the elements are passed, just wanna, um, so we don't just speed through this or walk through the motions. I wanna explain what we're doing here. Um, that in a second, if this is new to you, the, the elements will be passed. The, the bread will represent the body of Christ, which was broken for us. The cup represents the blood of Christ, which was poured out. And these are just symbols they're a physical reminder of what Christ did for us. And so Matt's gonna lead us in a song, he'll sing over us, but I just want you to let this song, as it will start, I have a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me, that I can, because what this song is gonna sing is basically this, I can boldly approach the throne and receive grace and mercy to help in my time of need. So as we just heard about the sons, the Eli and his sons, man, how is confession, how do you need to confess to the Lord? Is it salvation? Is it for a lack of, of listening to the Lord speak to you through his word? Let's use this time now to examine ourselves. And, and as sin, as the Lord brings truth to mind, let's confess that to him. You can go ahead and pass the elements.
Folge. I praise the Lord, uh, as Matt, just, that's a great question to bring up. Um, how that song never gets old, that, did you catch that line, that when Satan tempts me to despair, Satan, he wants to go from the enticer to the accuser. You know, attack us, and when Satan tempts me to despair and he tells me of the guilt within, man, it's like, that can be depressing. But, uh, but I praise the Lord for the cross and what Jesus did, dying in my place, that when Satan tempts me to despair, I don't look inward. Uh, there's a great hope, and this is what I can praise the Lord for. Upward I look and I see him there who, who made an end to all my sin. And that never gets old. And so I can praise the Lord for 1 John 1, 9, that when I confess my sin, that when you confess your sin, here's what's true, is that he is faithful to forgive us from all sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness, to wash me, to cleanse me. And so uh, as we prepare to take, let's hear the truth of God's word uh, in 1 Corinthians Chapter 11 says this. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus and the night in which he was betrayed took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take together. We praise the Lord for the body of Christ that was broken for us. We also remember this truth. In the same way, he took the cup, also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in me, remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So the blood which washes us, cleanses us from all sin, represents the blood of Christ that was poured out for us. Let's take together. We praise the Lord. We sing of the death of Christ, but we also look to what we know to be true of the risen spotless lamb who, who not only died, but he rose victoriously. Let's sing about that now. I invite you to stand. Behold him there, the risen lamb, perfect spotless righteousness, great unchanging. conversation with God begins with a conviction that he speaks and that conversation continues as I speak with the conviction that he listens, he hears me. I'm just throwing up words. I'm not just talking to myself. He, he hears me. And so let's end with these words. Samuel said in verse 10, Samuel said, speak for your servant is listening. If we could speak to the Lord on your behalf, if we could pray with you today, we'd love the privilege to do that. I think there'll be a map up here on the second where there will be prayer. We'd love to have the opportunity to pray with you and for you, but you are dismissed. Man, have a great rest of your Sunday.